Click, listen, enjoy. Broadcasting live worldwide. Thank you for tuning in to Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. You're listening to Talkline with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Welcome back to the program, Mom Zev Brenner, and as I mentioned earlier, we're doing a tribute to Rabbi Abraham Tversky of blessed memory, great Hasidic Rebbe, who also was involved in helping people and uh, this is one of the interviews we conducted with him. It was about 10 years, almost, a little bit more than 10 years ago, just as fresh today, just as relevant today as it was then. So here is our interview from 2010 with Rabbi Abraham Tversky of Blessed Memory. With us once again is Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky. He is a descendant of the Baal Shem Tov, founder and medical director, emeritus of Gateway Rehabilitation Center, founder of Shara Tikva Rehabilitation Center for Prisoners in Israel. He's written an astonishing 61 books. His latest one is called Gavura. He's received many awards in his lifetime. He's been published in hundreds of publications around the world. He gave so many lectures on chemical dependency, stress, self-esteem, spirituality. So welcome. Look forward to having you back. Thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Thank you. Let me begin by asking you by a question that I think is on people's minds to deal with chemical dependency and other dependencies. What is happening to the Jewish family that we seem to be having more problem today than perhaps any other time that I can think of? Well, you know, the, there's a uh, folk saying that whatever goes on, whatever goes on in the non-Jewish world uh, has its counterpart in the Jewish world. And we're not immune to what goes on around us. The world has come now to an unprecedented stage of pleasure-seeking as being the goal of life. And nobody considers, I shouldn't say nobody, many people don't consider anything else. It's all for looking how much pleasure and how much gratification can you get. And, of course, technology has given us so many wonderful things, but by the same token, it has given us the impression that life should be pleasant and uh, no misery should be tolerated at all. You know, it's not like when uh, I was a child in the 1930s uh, that there were a lot of hardships in life. Uh, but today there's a, a solution for everything. You know, I remember uh, traveling to Los Angeles from Milwaukee, uh, and it took 60 hours by train, two days and three nights. Well, then you do it in five hours. So everything is faster today. I'm sorry? So everything is faster today, but it seems to it's, me... It's not only faster, it's immediate. So people want uh, immediate gratification. Uh, we've lost our tolerance. You know, you go on your computer... And one of the pop-ups says, "Is your computer too slow?" You know, uh, uh -huh. the fact that it, the fact that it takes 35 seconds to get something is intolerable. Right. So, uh, people who are looking for immediate gratification, one of the easiest ways to get immediate gratification is with alcohol or drugs because it gives you a sudden high or whatever change of 
mind that you want. But hasn't and, the, Rabbi uh, Tori, hasn't always been the case? People looking for gratification in the sixties, they say, was the me generation that began. But why all of a sudden is it permeating the walls of the ultra orthodox, the orthodox community, yeshivas, Hasidic communities, where you have good kids from good families, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, pornography right. abuse, internet addiction? Why all of a sudden are we seeing so much more? These problems have always been there, at least in the last twenty, thirty years of the me generation. Well, I don't think that they've always been there. Uh, pornography became an issue in the last few years with the uh, spread of the Internet. Um, but alcohol and, and drugs certainly were available. Um, yeah, alcohol. You see that but alcohol is very strange. Alcohol had a uh, loathsome association because um, in Yiddish there was the expression, shikr is a goy, right? Now, even though being a Ghanif was something very terrible, you didn't hear the expression a Ghanif is a goy. But being a chicker was worse than being a Ghanif. So there was a downside to uh, uh, alcohol. And I guess the, being associated with the environment around us that drink so much and uh, you look forward to uh, 5 o'clock and you look forward to a weekend, um, I think we've, uh, we've picked that up. And, uh, again, because people... Uh, believe that uh, they shouldn't have to tolerate any kind of stress, uh, and alcohol is one way to get rid of it. So they uh, they drink, and what's what's even worse is that because alcoholism is so loathsome a condition, people don't want to believe that any of their children have it. Right? It's we're in denial of it. You know, we just don't want to accept that it's a possibility. And so they dismiss it. And kids are, young people are drinking way too much. You go to a chasana, and you see sometimes yeshiva bacharim drinking, and then they shouldn't be drinking. Absolutely correct. But what? But you see the teens that are, you see teens that are outside their home, kids that are not living, that are on the streets, that are involved in even more than drinking, they're taking the drug addiction. You see a lot more of that. So I heard one prominent Rosh Yeshiva, rabbinical head, that said that there's no ain't bayish, ain't shameis. There's no house that doesn't have these problems. We're seeing it cutting across all different kinds of households. So how do we deal with it? It's our good kids that are there. Are we approaching it in the right way, in your professional opinion? Well, it, it may seem maybe simplistic, but I think that we have to take a uh, another look at what it really means to live a Torah life. We think that if we eat glad kosher and pasuk shirom and and all that, and the Shmir Shabbos, that's it. Now, Ramban in Kedoshim makes a very bold statement. He says you can keep all 613 mitzvahs. Uh, uh, meticulously, and still be a degenerate person. Because you're not working on becoming a Kedusha. Kedusha. And Kedusha means, according to the Ramban, not indulging in things that are permissible. Yes, it's permissible, you don't have to have it. Now, that's a concept that the Ramban talked about, you know, what, 900 years ago. But nobody wants to hear it, because look what we've got. When I was a child, there was no uh, kosher Chinese, there was no kosher Korean, kosher Italian. Uh, we did not have glad kosher um, uh, delicatessen. We did not have cholavishral ice cream. 
And all of these things have now been made available to us, and what we're doing, what Ramban said we should not do. But right? it's having kosher, Chalav Yisrael ice cream means that we're having problems with all kinds of addictions and family stress? Is that the cause Well, what of happens is you learn, you learn to indulge. And nobody thinks of, you know, the Stapler said it so beautifully. He said, when we were children, he said, we didn't have anything. He says, getting a fresh apple was a, oh, it was great. Nobody heard of candy. Right? And he says, today, kids are given everything so that we don't have something that they want. It's a calamity. It's a disaster. And so, you know, the world has changed. But isn't part so of the I problem... Uh, no, I go ahead, Rabbi Twers. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that what has happened is that we have to take the. Uh, I'm not saying look, uh, don't uh, don't have a, a, a color or last game. That's not the problem. I'm saying that people should begin to focus on what it means to live a Torah life over and above keeping the mitzvahs, and that is developing the midos of Torah, right? Uh, there's a Rav Chaim that says something very you know, amazing. He says the midos, which is character traits, right, of chesed, of not uh, losing one's temper, of not envying someone else, of not speaking lashon hara, etc., etc. He says it's more important to pay attention to that than to mitzvahs and averus. I mean, Rav Chaim Vital, the student, the disciple mm-hmm. of the Arizal, is making a, as broad a statement as that. Right. So, uh, I think if a person learns something about Midos, you learn something about self-control. Right? But people who are, quote, from, right, and they're provoked and they lose their temper. Right? Now, the Chaim Vital says, when the Talmud says that losing your temper is Avodah Zorah, that's not an exaggeration. It's Avodah Zorah Mamish. Idolatry. But why, why do you suppose that's the case, Rotwerker? Here you have, I think, one of the most learned generations. The parents learn it. They go to yeshiva. They go to kolo. The kids also in yeshivas. So they're learning all the right stuff. So why, what happened to the values? If Why well, are they learning these videos? Take a look. A person can be a Talmud Chocham and can be very observant, and then something goes wrong and is irritable, and then he explodes in anger. Right? And nobody would say, oh, he's a Shagetz. No, he's a Tzaddik. Yeah. And I, I say, from what Rebbechaim Vital says, he's as much a Tzaddik as if he was eating trave. So why isn't this being we taught in yeshivas? I'm sorry? Why aren't these mitos, these characteristics, taught to the, to the students in yeshivas? Well, first of all... And Rabbanim speaking about it from the pulpits. All right, I do think that all of that is necessary. I think it has to be emphasized more in yeshivas. I think I'll want to have to talk about it more. But primarily, it has to be in the home. Right? Now, something is going awfully wrong in the Jewish home where we see that we are now dealing with an unprecedented number of failed marriages. Yeah, the Torah permits a get. Divorce, yet, right. But 60, 80 years ago, it was a rarity. And now recently, I had a question from a woman who says, I don't think I can go to a hasana anymore. Because within the last year, three young couples that I knew very well divorced before the end of the first year. She says, when I see them coming in, carrying the chosen kala on the chairs and everybody dancing wildly, I start thinking, how long is this one going to last? 
Now, that may be an exaggeration, but something has happened within the Jewish family. And I think what's happened with the Jewish family is young men and young women are totally unprepared for marriage, totally unprepared for bringing up children. Right? And the children see improper Torah and a lot of kids who have gone off the derech have said, we didn't see anything good about Yiddishkeit. Yeah, we saw the observation on Esrig and Mephsis and whatever, yeah, but we didn't see them being mentioned. And so they get disgusted with it. And I think that all of this is a chain reaction. And if we had learned, and if we do learn better Midas, then it has to start in the home. I think the achievers have a place for it. But basically, it's parents who uh, should be there for each other and tremendous, with a much greater emphasis on true shalom bias and not a shalom bias that is terrorism where anybody's afraid to do anything against the father's will. But he's not a root problem. What's going why kids go off the path? It's because there's a lack of communication. And then sometimes if the kids deviate from what the parents, especially the father, wants, so they're afraid of that. They're afraid of being beaten or hit or being ostracized. So they find their channels outside the home. I hear stories, and we're going to be doing a program in a couple of weeks. I hear stories of kids that tell the father going to the Rebbe on Friday night, and they end up in some bar in Manhattan. You hear bunches of Hasidic kids that are there. You hear these kinds right. of stories. Right. Now, you see, I think that if we learn the card, maybe, maybe I, I can't expect everyone to have the kind of upbringing that I did, but uh, when I did something that my father didn't approve of, my father would say, oh, it's past this for dear. It's not befitting be, of you. It doesn't become you. You know, you're too dignified. Why do you do something that's below your dignity? And I learned that uh, there are things that are beneath my dignity. Can you imagine? A person would not take a chumash or a siddur into the bathroom. He realized that's an inappropriate thing to do. But he takes his neshama into the filth of the pornography. Why? Why doesn't he realize that his neshama is, is kodesh and that he's not allowed to put it into such filth? And I think we've failed to teach kedusha to our children. And the only way we can teach Kedusha to our children is by showing Kedusha in how we act, how we talk. And the Talmud says this so beautifully. The Talmud says, does not only mean you should love Hashem, but you should behave in a way to make Hashem beloved by others. How do you do that? By transacting in business honestly, by speaking pleasantly, working on your media so that people should be able to look at you and say, this is a beautiful life. But you raise an important point. It's not. It's also economically, and let's face it, we live in economically challenging times. Everybody is trying to do outdo each other. Look at the weddings, and yet at the same time, they can afford it less than in previous years. We can't keep up with the Cohens, but yet they borrow, they do all kinds of tricks to live up a standard that few can afford. That's also, I think, right. part of the problem. How do we deal with that? Well, how we do with that? We have to be willing to take a stand of our own and say, "I am not going to be influenced by what the uh, by improper standards that the society sets." But it's very hard to do that because you know you have children to marry off, and we're living in a generation where, instead of trying to find out what the midas of the young boy or the young girl are, they're more interested in whether the family uses plastic tablecloths. The standards. And I hear stories, Rabbi Tversky, and again, we're doing a program about an hour away on March the 5th where, God forbid, parents of kids went off the path. They were involved with 
drugs and a couple of them have died and the parents didn't go to the funeral of their own kid because they were afraid it would hurt the shidduch of the other kids. I'm sure you've heard those kinds of stories. What kind of message that sent to the other kids? I'm just wondering. I don't want to, God forbid, anybody should be in that parent's place, but not to go to a funeral because you're afraid it will hurt the marriage prospects of the other kids is something which I found shocking when it was told to me this week. It's the yeah, value. There's something with the values, I think, that, that, that has to be addressed. Now, look, I understand the concern that parents have that they want to do good shidduchim, but uh, someplace, some better judgment has got to come in, such as a parent refusing to let the child who has a problem uh, be seen by a psychiatrist, psychologist, because if God forbid somebody finds that out, it'll ruin the chances for shidduchim, without realizing that if they neglect the problem, it's going to be worse. Should there be more family therapy sessions, not just for the kids, but the families and the kids together sure, in families? I, I think we need a tremendous amount of education at all levels. Right? And especially young people who are going to get married need to be told, need to be taught what to expect and what not to expect in marriage. Because they come in with crazy expectations, and then they're disappointed, disillusioned, and the marriage breaks up. As part of the problem is, is that they don't know how to relate to the opposite gender before they're married, and then all these expectations they, are not fulfilled. Yeah, you know, you know, the disciple have said it so beautifully, and I'll quote him in Yiddish. He said, "Vos vilmen von dem jungeman, si shen fufsen yo vos agot nis kashaychus no mit nishtender." He said. For 15 years, he hasn't related to anything except the stendo. The stendo doesn't make any demands. Right? Now, suddenly, you put him into a relationship where somebody else has demands and wants and needs, and he doesn't know what to do about that. So how do we train the the, the boys and girls to know oh, how to relate to one need, another? I think we have to take a good look at what our Hasanim class is all about. Uh, I think that there are some Hasanim classes that they do teach relationships. But uh, not too many. Right? And that's part of the good. problem. That's part of the problem I think has to be addressed, how to relate to one another. If you don't know how to relate, it affects not only you and your spouse, but also how you relate to your kids eventually. Right. We're speaking with Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky, and when we come back, we're going to look at, continue to look at the breakdown of the Jewish family, the alcohol and other dependencies that are really wreaking havoc on the Jewish community. This show was taped about 10 to 11 years ago, and this is tonight we're broadcasting as a tribute to Rabbi Abraham Tversky of Blessed Memory, who recently passed away, and the issues that he's talking about then are still just as relevant today. We're going to be right back. Hi, this is David Gabay, and you're listening to The Zev Brenner Show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. You're listening to Talkline with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And we are presenting an interview we conducted with Rabbi Abraham Tversky of Blessed Memory. We did this about 10, 11 years ago, and Rabbi Abraham Tversky is this kind of a great Hasidic family going right back to the Baal Shem Tov and accomplished quite a bit, and the things that he's discussed then are just as relevant today. Our guest, Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky, he is 
comes from the Baal Shem Tov, in fact, the very distinguished Hasidic families, and uh, he and his son, who we're going to be having on in just a little while, have been very much involved in dealing with all kinds of addictions afflicting the Jewish community. Uh, Rabbi Tversky, you come from a very distinguished family. I mentioned the, the Baal Shem Tov. Uh, you also... Uh, from our grandson of the Bub of a Rebbe and uh, so many other part of the Hasidic community. Um, what do you feel could be done in the Hasidic community, and what are they doing in educating the young generations to both continue the Hasidic path but also live in the modern world, especially the workplace? It's a balancing force, and obviously there's tension involved with that, and how do we deal with it? Well, again, uh, I think we have to take a look at what Hasidus really emphasizes, and that is character traits, development of good midos. Uh, my uh, nephew uh, in Milwaukee made a very beautiful statement where he said the Baal Shem Tov did not operate a clothing store, uh, by which he meant that people put too much emphasis that Hasidus is wearing a stramel and a capote, right? Uh, so see, this is not wearing a strimal like a foot. You can be a hosted without that. But so much emphasis is put on the external thing uh, without people taking serious uh, account about internal things changing oneself. Um, I, I think Musa was not a Hasidic thing, but... It was adopted now by by Hasidus, and uh, I think that we should have shiurim and Musa that are not intellectual, but someone who can teach Musa in a way that it becomes an emotional experience, that the person can feel and even have a good cry when he's learning Musa. And you don't see that happening. And uh, meanwhile, you've got the uh, uh, environment out there pounding away at you with all kinds of things. The media is just full of uh, uh, pressure, and uh, you've got to have this and you've got to have that. You know, in Baruch Hashem, that there are many homes in which there are not televisions. But people still have access to televisions and to the computer and to the Internet. And it, the marketing system is so convincing You've got to have this in order to be happy. The new gadget comes out, and you can't live without it, right? Uh, and, and so, you know, I have no idea about these new gadgets because I'm ignorant technologically. But uh, people who they wouldn't move without a BlackBerry or a smartphone, right? And uh, the constant pressure that goes on with texting, right? You know, texting is a, I think, a very serious problem. Not that there's anything basically wrong with texting, but texting allows you to contact another person without having a face-to-face communication. Well, I say that even we have so many more ways of communicating, we're communicating less. Right. For all the things. So do you support a ban that to have in the like we have for example the Haredi community a ban on modern technology such as the internet and they want people to shun it completely only use it for work to protect it from its ills are you supportive of that should there be we teach the kids well, more I happy balance support, yeah yeah i think the idea behind it is well intentioned but i don't think it's going to work i think uh, that today to try and ban some uh, a uh, computer or internet is like trying to ban a telephone uh, we're at a point where they've said that within a couple of years, you won't be able to write a check anymore because all transactions are going to be online. So 
it, you can't, I, I don't think you can beat it. So you have to find out ways in which to try, number one, to control it. And uh, that is, uh, for, for example, to get the most possible, uh, most effective filter that you can. Uh, and uh, secondly, to impress, as I said before, to impress people with the kind of kedusha that you're not going to put yourself into a filthy situation. Furthermore, uh, forget about the, uh, for, for the moment, the Internet pornography. Just the Internet communications is a way of communicating to uh, other people without any responsibility for having a face-to-face -face kind of thing. So I don't like, I can push it off and I can stop the communication. I can't turn off somebody when I'm talking to them. So it gives you control of the communication and takes any kind of real emotional exchange, takes it, takes it away. So, so we, we become essentially robots. Right, we become like that computer Watson that they, that's intelligent but doesn't have any human emotions. But you mentioned right. bands, and I, I know that you had given a very fascinating interview on Vus is Nice, and every day we hear new bands ranging from concerts to the recent band on the, on the site that you appeared on, Vus is Nice, which happens to do a very good job in covering the news, and they cover important issues. So what's your take on, on bands in general and that particular band? Do you feel it's counterproductive? What are we doing by having all these bands out there? Well, one of the, one of the ironic things is that uh, when you ban something, you increase its popularity. Right? Uh, uh, I've sometimes said, wow, I wish I could get one of my books banned. Everybody would run to buy it. Uh, I think bans are counterproductive. Uh, I, I think the intention is good, but I think that they don't realize that this doesn't happen. You know, people who never would have heard about Voices Nias, once there's an, a ban on it, they're going to go for it. So uh, I don't think the bans are the way to go. I think that uh, uh, teaching better self control. That's the way to go. And the way to teach better self-control, again, is with the family, the father and the mother, showing how you control yourself. But you said, but by the way, you quoted the Rambam before. I know the Rambam, Maimonides, talks about a golden path. And part of being a Jew is knowing how to balance. You're supposed to carry two business cards. One says, Bishvili never olam, because of me the world is created. The other card says, nothing but dust and ashes. We have to know when to use what card. Being a Jew is balancing. It's being able right. to be in the middle right. path. And that's, I think, part but of the problem. It's very, it's very delicate. You see, it's, rather than just the middle path, the, the, one of the rabbis quoted, uh, compared it to walking a tightrope. And walking a tightrope, you don't have too much leeway because you bend over a little bit too much to the right and you'll fall and get killed. You bend over to the left, you'll get fall down and get killed. True, it's a it's a balancing act, and you have to know which way. You don't have too much very wiggle room. Very delicate. You don't have too much wiggle delicate. room, is what you're saying. Now, we're also in a trend, and I think this is part of the breakdown of the family and breakdown for respect. And I know we live in a, what, we call, what I call the prostification of society. The crassness of general society has permeated our community as well. But we see when there are differences within the community on matters ranging from Arif to concerts, Rabbanim don't seem to have a formal to sit down and work out the difference between one another. So we see individual Askanim filling that uh, activists filling the void and organizing cold cores, which is proclamations with signatures. We find that right. some of the disputes end up in courts. So how, in your opinion, should we deal with the great questions of the day? And what impact does it have on young people when they see their leaders are fighting amongst each other, going to court, calling themselves terrible names and all these bands calling, saying terrible things? What impact does this all have? Well, I think it's unfortunate that uh, this, that this has happened with 
of the leadership. You know, we say uh, that we have to, the ideal is that we have to have a, a togetherness instead of this fragmentation. Uh, it's, it's an evil, I think, that the Sultan has got his way. He has, but how do we correct it? Because we, first of all, part one of the question is we're seeing all these differences. Should there be a mechanism? What mechanism would you recommend that we deal with these problems? Because they seem to be growing. Various groups are fighting with each other uh, within one community and one special Hasidic community. You find it beyond the Hasidic community as well. And even issues, Erev, you use the Erev, you're a guy, you don't use it, they call you other names. All kinds of things that are going on out there which only exasperate tensions, and I think it doesn't create a healthy atmosphere for the kids, especially when they see the leaders fighting it out right, in most right. terrible ways. Right. Look, I think that uh, if our leadership, whatever whatever leadership there is, you know, we don't have any centralized leadership, uh, but uh, if the leadership would uh, be more cognizant of it and get together and have respect for each other, you know, Hillel and Shammai, Beis Shammai were as far apart as you could get. Uh, take a look. Uh, there were certain marriage relationships which Beis Shammai said are permissible, right? And Beis Hillel said, children of that relationship are mamzerim. Illegitimate. Right? Mm-hmm. So a child is born, which according to Beis Shammai is a fine, legitimate child, according to Beis Hillel is a mamzer, right? And yet the Talmud says that Beth Hill and Beth Shammai used to intermarry. However, Beth Hillel or Beth Shammai would say to each other, no, no, this isn't a shidduch for you because this is not permissible according to you. Right? But that didn't separate them. So that's the kind of thing that we should be aiming for, and a respect for each other's differences. But we don't seem to be, seem to be going in the opposite direction. Unfortunately. So how do, again, uh, it's a challenge to not you only, but to the Jewish leadership. How do we stop it? It seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And I would well, suspect that young that people are getting... breaking down because they're saying there's no respect from rabbis to one another, for communists to one another. Why should I have respect for this? You find a lot of people leaving because of right. this look, and other issues. The, if you take a look at the um, last Mishnah in Soto, it describes exactly what you're describing. A, a total breakdown of morality, a total breakdown of respect for one another, a total breakdown of the uh, of leadership. And they say that this is what's going to happen. The Talmud says this is what's going to happen before Mashiach comes. Well, we're ready for it. We're ready for Mashiach any day now. So that means we just, that means that we just let the problem get worse until Mashiach comes. Well, we don't. We I think we do what we can, but we got to realize that we're fighting an uphill battle. We are fighting an uphill battle, and there has to be tools. So what tools should we use, and what tools can parents use at their disposal? We mentioned bringing more kedusha, holiness into the home, having better yeah, manners, mitos. Yeah, I think that that is one excellent place to begin, and that is for uh, parents to begin to work on their mitos uh, and take it very seriously that what they are doing is the way they are behaving is influencing the outcome of the child. And, uh, and first of all, parents, in spite of the fact that you know you know you have two well, parents have to both work to support the family, they have to find a way to have some time for the children. 
which is a very difficult thing because, you know, you're both working, you're both tired at the end of the day. And so children are growing up without parental attention. And that we just have to find a way to put, put the, a high priority on spending time with our kids and finding out what are doing, what our kids are learning in, in, in yeshiva or in school, who are their friends, inviting their friends over. Uh, and uh, this is important to kids. Very important. But here's a $64,000 question, Rabbi Tversky. And this is what happens. Sometimes parents find out that the kids are not living the lifestyle they'd like them to be. They're not as observant as they want them to be. They're not doing the things that they should be doing. So lots of times their reaction is, if you do this, I'm throwing you out of the house. What should parents be doing when the kids, they find the kids are on drugs or alcohol, doing things they shouldn't be doing, not observing the mitzvahs, not learning properly? Well, how should parents deal with it? I think this is the number one question that many parents are facing. Well, let me tell you an incident that we had. We had an incident with a, a young kid from a very Hasidic family who lives in a Hasidic environment, got uh, into drugs and threw away all of Yiddish faith. Then he went to a place where he got off of drugs, and he was clean. Right? And, and after several months, it was time for him to go home. This, All of his siblings are wearing uh, black hats and long payers, and he doesn't wear a, 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 he doesn't wear a yarmulke. And he has to go home and live in that family, right? Mm -hmm. And the father was saying to him, look, I can't expect you to be from the way I like to, but look, just at least to satisfy me, wear a yarmulke. You know what the kid said? The kid said, I remember learning that uh, Lashon Hava is equivalent to the worst three sins in the world. Lashon right. Hava is equal to those three together. It doesn't say that about wearing a yarmulke. Now, you're telling me that I must wear a yarmulke and then you can sit and talk Lashon Hava? Good, yeah. good points. What did the father answer in that well, case? What the, there's no answer to that. There's no answer to that. Right? And that's why I say, if the parents be, learn Midas right, and really practice Midas, the fact that on the receiver of the telephone you have a thing, don't talk Russian Hava, isn't very effective. Right? But if we really take it seriously, right, then the kids begin to have respect for Yiddish kids. I think that's where it's at. But I think what's important in that case, there's a dialogue. I hear it too, and I hear of parents where they have good families, uh, Hushava, very prominent Rabbanim or people who are very knowledgeable, kids that are off the beaten track, not the way they like them, but they have love for them and I think that's also an ingredient that I think parents have to teach have to tell the kids how much they love them and the kids have to know that sometimes they may be off the beaten path but the parents are there for them if the parents are not for there for them I think it creates a completely different dynamic right right you know the Baal Shem Tov said I wish I could have the love for the greatest tzaddik that Hashem has for the worst Russia right. so the fact that a child has gone off the derech is a tragedy and the parents have to uh, may have to swallow a bitter pill but that doesn't mean that they don't love it so as we close out what do you think we should be aside from you know better meet us which is easier said than done better values in the home better respect the parents have for one another and for the kids what else should we be doing to try to stop well the decline? i think that what we have to realize when we have to that we, well, we have to realize that this isn't just a question of being from or not being from we're talking about Torah being Chaye Olam. Our life depends on it. 
And if we begin to realize that this is a matter of life and death, right, that uh, developing Midas is uh, what is going to determine the health and the strength of our families, of our children, of their marriages and their children, then maybe we'll take it more seriously. Before I let you go, you also compose a lot of melodies, including, I think, Hoshea Samecha? Right, that's mine, right. Which one? Hoshea Samecha, that's the one? Right. Right. How did that come about? I I know you write sixty-one well, you books. Know, you know you can't you can't sit and decide I'm going to make a melody. I remember davening one chakras, and when I came to that pusik, I just started to sing it, and uh, it, uh, it, it it's an automatic thing. I think that this is what happens with any composer. Ideas come to his mind. I guess Hashem puts those ideas in his mind. So I'm just happy that I was there to have it to make a tune that people dance to, and still still popular today. Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky, founder of the medical and medical director emeritus of Gaithel Rehabilitation Center, author of over 61 books, including his latest one, Gavura, a descendant of the Baal Shem Tov. Thank you for being here with us. And that was Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky, who comes from the Baal Shem Tov, who was a prolific writer, song composer, very special individual, great tzaddik, righteous person, and just recently passed away. And we present this to you as a tribute to him, may his memory be a blessing. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.